Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is shifting terrain and smart choices, strategic marketing and motion. Today's guest is the founder and managing partner of Blue Polo Interactive, where an outsourced digital marketing team is just a click away. A big welcome to Michael Pompasolo. Hi, Michael. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. We're excited to have you. Now, you guys, you offer a wide offering of services, including social media marketing, SEO, PPC, influencer discovery. I'm curious, where do you find the biggest bang for the buck is for e-commerce companies in today's changing landscape? Oh, that's a great question. I think there's kind of a twofold answer to that. First of all, I think I'm seeing so many brands, you know, these smaller direct response brands that are growing up and starting to, whether they're raising capital or bootstrapping, and they're starting to have enough cash to throw around and whether they start doing a little bit in-house and try to bring in an agency for some. One thing that I'm seeing that brands can really benefit from is working with one agency on all of these solutions whenever possible. You know, obviously us, fantastic. But if not, I really see there are so many synergies that can be had when one agency is handling all of that. So right out of the gate, I think that's one thing. It's not so much a direct answer to, you know, which channel, but I think one thing, you know, partner with one agency because all of those people talking to each other in unison are going to help find efficiencies. Back to the question at hand, I think one thing that's playing really well right now, as you mentioned, we do social ads, we do influencer discovery, influencer marketing, full influencer campaign executions. Typically I've been telling brands, you know, hey, when you're maxing out your Facebook, your social, your PPC, start augmenting that with influencer marketing on YouTube, Instagram, podcasts, et cetera. Um, measure it, monitor it exactly like you are your other social and paid ad opportunities. And I think right now what's so exciting is we're starting to fuse all of that and say, hey, go out, do your influencer marketing, and then let's take that creative, you know, that that mm -hmm. personalized testimonial that we're getting on the influencer side of the activation. Let's go run that as native ads on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Facebook, Instagram, the meta platforms, et cetera. So I think it's kind of this full evolution of you were doing A, we push you into B, and that plays right into what I was saying of when we're doing all this into one under one roof, we can take what we're doing on the influencer side, bring it back over to the social side and deliver even better results that way. So let's say a client comes to you and they're they're just starting out. They got some sales, but they say, Michael, I have a thousand dollars a month I want to use for marketing. Where should I put it? Where do you where are you going to put it for me? 
for a low budget like that, I mean, first of all, we'd want to make sure, you know, is their site best optimized to receive traffic? Are there any roadblocks that are impeding us? Are we measuring everything correctly? Because that $1,000 is not going to get them incredibly far. So we need to make sure that every cent that we're spending is best optimized. Um, depending on the brand, I would probably start them out on Meta. Um, Facebook's a great place for us to get them in front of their audience. Uh, it's also a great place for us to learn about who their audience is. I love when brands come to me and go, this is my audience. And then we'll do some testing and go, yeah, it is. But also, you know, there, there's a wider audience than you realize. And I think when we're able to do testing, especially on Meta, we're able to see things like that. Certain brands, um, I would push them right into Google PPC. Hey, you have something, people are looking for this as a solution. There's no need to educate them on, hey, this is what exists in the marketplace. Um, rather, we just need to get your brand in front of the people looking for that solution. So I think that's kind of how I would pick one or the other. For a brand like that, I would not try to introduce them to the influencers space yet. Um, not until they have larger budgets because the tests on those are typically going to be larger. And I wouldn't want to do a one $1,000 test, whatever that test result is, whether it's super positive or super negative, it's going to be a false positive or false negative, um, given just the lack of budget. Now, content creation, it seems to be a, a real cornerstone of your services. Can you can you share a specific instance where a brand's growth trajectory was significantly influenced by the type of quality, the type or the quality of the content you produced, and how did it resonate with the target audience? Yeah, absolutely. Um God, we do this for so many brands. Um, off the top of my head, we were working with a skincare brand. And what was so cool about working with them, I mean, it opened my eyes to the world of skincare. I started using their products. and um, You look very nice, by the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I never understood moisturizing versus exfoliating. And then it seemed silly. Why are you exfoliating and then moisturizing? But I learned a ton in the process and it opened my eyes to... Um, Audiences that, you know, just as we were talking about before with, there are audiences that know what they need and they're going to go to Google, they're going to go to the search engines, type in, I have this problem and we want to come up as that solution. But it also opened my eyes to the importance of educating people like me who don't know what the, I never knew what the word exfoliate meant. Yeah, I What don't is either. an exfoliant? So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but how did you educate though? What kind of ta but content did you create? So in that case, we were mostly starting out creating text content and using that from an SEO standpoint um, to bring people in. Um, I believe we did that all organic. Uh, we might have done a little bit of paid. And we were also using that text content, um, pushing that out as part of their social strategy. So, you know, that's kind of a threefold. We created the content. We were able to run it on social organically. We were able to capture SEO organically. And when we saw opportunities, we were able to boost that, whether on meta platforms or on Google with um, paid budget. Um, so just learning about that, you know, and, and just getting that kind of content out. And then it was also fun to work with the brand and their founder on creating some video content, talking about the ingredients. And that was this brand's real differentiator is they use these really ancient natural ingredients in their products. Um, and educating their audience through video about why they're passionate about these specific ingredients and what the ancient origins of them are. And for something like that, you know, 
we we wrote it out. It was written out on their site beautifully. But that was something that, you know, I, I would have the pleasure of sitting in a conference room with the founders and seeing their face light up when they would talk about a specific thing and hold it up and pass it around and smell it. So we felt like video content was key there. How did you, um, how did again, you that, how, not to interrupt, how did you shoot that video content? I mean, did you have a professional crew? Was that done with uh, somebody holding an iPhone while the while the founder took, hold, talked about the product, holding it up? I mean, what what kind of video con- or what quality of video content was it? Awesome there? question. We did this all on iPhone. I believe the origin shots were done on Facebook Live, which was super fun because we scheduled it. We you know were able to reach out to their newsletter and say, hey, if you want to meet the founders and talk about these things, come bring your questions. Um, so it's a great you know, idea. going back going back to my previous point, we know what we want to talk about. We know the problems that we can solve. But bringing the audience in and getting their questions helped us create content for questions we wouldn't know that people people needed answers to. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. Now, integration of AI, you know, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it. Can you elaborate if you've been able to use it in your content creation and what advantages, if any, have you seen from incorporating AI with your content creation? Yeah, absolutely. I, I am so excited about the AI renaissance we're in right now. Um, personally, whether I'm helping a brand create content and lay out their content calendar or for my own brand, I was just on a call with my business partner and geeking out about this earlier. The biggest problem I have and content's in my blood. I started in marketing as a content writer and formed into a content agency and we've really blown up from there. But my biggest challenge is I suffer from looking at a blank page and going, I don't know what to say. I'm an absolute expert. My clients are absolute experts. But what are we going to talk about? And I was just talking about this with, you know, bring in your audience and have them ask those questions. But I absolutely love turning to ChatGPT and saying, you know, if you are in this demographic, what problems are you looking to solve? You know, what are five core problems you're looking to solve? What are 10 kind of minor Mm. problems under each of those that you're looking to solve? Let's form those all into questions. And I love using AI as just a bouncing off point to get that first step of, well, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know, but you you tell me what we want to talk about and I can talk all day on it. And my clients can talk all day about it. So using it to say, hey, if you're this type of persona and you're trying to solve these problems, what roadblocks are you facing? Um, can give us a really good list and we can use that to inform content strategy. Now, once you have, I mean, that's a great idea. You're using ChatGPT for idea creation, basically. But once you have the ideas, do you continue with AI or do you take it all over to a manual process? For the most part, I wouldn't say the remainder of the process is manual, but I also would be remiss to say it's AI. Um, I think from there, we implement a lot of automation to help us scale. You know, we're spinning out 50 topics. Well, now we need to create 50 scripting sheets. We need to track all these things. So we do have some automation in the works of keeping track of what we're doing with them, you know, creating all these documents, creating all these folders. Um, But the actual content creation from there is a human looking at the question going, I know from my expertise, this is the answer. This is the problem that someone who is uneducated on the topic is going to run into here's a pitfall, here's the mistake I see, here's how I would solve that. And that helps us 
again, since myself, my team, my clients, we know these answers. Once we have that broken down and, and put into a format between the AI and the automation, it's just a matter of us plugging in our expertise. Now, let's keep on the theme of content creation. What are some common mistakes that you've seen companies make with their content creation? I think wanting to do too much too quickly is is something that I just see so many people get so excited about, you know, especially with the advent of AI. And before AI, it was spinning, you know, and after AI, it'll be something else. But everyone wants this silver bullet solution of, you know, here I talked about we can generate 50 topics, we can speed up the process, but then someone actually has to sit and plug in that expertise. AI is not this, you know, magic bullet where you're going to hit go and it's going to spit out everything because trust me, we tried that and we thought, oh, you know, can this work? Luckily, we have a great editorial team in place that looked things over and said, okay, this is putting out really good drafts, but it's also very confidently citing things that are wrong. It's making up fake citations. It's making up fake studies. It's giving out fake facts. You know, we were talking about things in the medical space it's giving out fake guidance on how to deal with regulatory situations that if people were to implement would wind up in hot water with one, if not more, three-letter regulatory bodies. So I think for brands that, you know, brands that are on a budget, you're you're a one-man show, you're a two-man show, um, by all means, use it to speed up your process, use it all the way up to drafting, but definitely make sure you're reviewing it, you're you're really allowing your expertise to shine. Do not hesitate to double check and double verify and Google everything it's saying. Um, because if it's not passing the sniff test, it might be making things up completely wrong. Now, marketing and e-commerce realm, it can be tricky. Could you highlight an example of a marketing strategy that initially appeared promising for one of your clients that you implemented but it could have led to a missed opportunity or even setbacks? Yeah, actually this plays really in with an earlier question you gave about, you know, if someone comes with a thousand dollars a month and I think it, it goes beyond just one specific strategy and really the biggest pitfall that I see brands doing, especially when they're doing it in-house with no kind of outside counsel, like an agency saying, no, don't do that, is taking small dollar amounts um, and, throwing them at doing one thing and then analyzing the results of those one thing, you know, for better or for worse. So let's say running one Facebook ad to the tune of $500 or going, you know, this month, let's try influencers and reaching out to one influencer, paying them a thousand dollars and either saying, wow, that was wildly successful or wow, that absolutely bombed. Um, I think one thing that we always try to talk to our clients about are setting the correct budget expectations and setting realistic goals of, you know, if we want to start to dabble in Facebook, let's not just run one creative. Let's not run one creative to one audience. We're going to need enough sufficient budget to run multiple creatives to multiple audiences. And if we're looking at $100 per creative, $200 per creative, now you're going to start to see that expand from, you know, a $200 test into a $1,200 test very quickly. And, you know, I think things like that scare clients and, and you know, your question before was so good. We're starting with a thousand dollars. Well, let's make sure we're diversifying that out enough successfully to where 
the results are going to actually tell us and actually give us guidance. And I think especially brands here that will do influencer stuff will come to us with, you know, I have a $5,000 budget. I'm so excited. Can you do something for us? The answer is yes. Can I? Of course I can. I can find five influencers and spend $1,000 each. I can find one influencer and spend $5,000. But the question we always have to ask ourselves, whether it's Meta, Google, or, or an influencer play is, is this budget going to give us sufficient diversity to where the test is actually going to bring back, hey, you tried this, this worked really well, and this didn't, and here's everything in between. Or is it going to just give us that false positive, false negative of you spent $5,000, you sponsored one thing, it worked. Well, now my client's going to get all giddy and go, well, let's just scale that up. Right. But you don't, you don't, you don't really know because we don't really know either way. And I, no, I think that's it. the number one pitfall that yeah. I've, I've been seeing is, you know, back to what we were even talking about with content. People want to do things really cheap and low budget. And that's going to create these monkey wrenches down the line of either something's terribly wrong or it's giving us a, a false narrative either way. So one of my favorite questions for, for my guest is how, what do you think is in store in the next 12 to 18 months for e-commerce? I, I obviously don't know. I wish I had the crystal ball because all of us would be better for it. But if I had to guess, something that I do see um, more brands moving into is, as I mentioned, you know, on, on one of the top questions we were talking about, everyone's doing meta, everyone's doing influencer marketing, or to some extent, these brands should be doing one or both of those. I think what's been really exciting is seeing more brands merge the two and saying, um, let me go partner with influencers, let me have them reach their audience. And then let me take that content and allow it to live on as an ad on behalf of our brand, you know, on meta platforms mm -hmm. or boosting that influencers post to our audience, to our audience of followers, to our target demographics. And I, I think we're really starting to see more results of brands doing the influencer work, getting that initial boost, measuring that, you know, again, taking those learnings and scaling them out but also using that content beyond that initial influencer boost um, as its own ad unit to reach new audiences. I think that's been really exciting. We've been seeing that be successful the trailing past three months. Out of, I had to guess in the next 12 to 18, I think that's where, where we're gonna see more, more budget shaking out. And the, the other question I like to ask almost every guest and it's because of me and how much I like to read, but have there been any business books that you've read that you could attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, I love this one. I think the biggest one early on that that made me open my eyes was the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I think- Yeah, that, classic. On so many fronts. I mean, first of all, it's kind of a clickbait title of, you know, are you actually working four hours? No, but you're focused on doing the things you love. I think it set me up very early on from a young age with a mindset of, I am not going to be the best at everything, but there are people who are. Um, and I think it even, you know, as the book kind of ages, it focuses on, you know, do what you can outsource the rest or, or staff the rest or whatever. It touched on early automation. And I think automation continues to get better, continues to be easier for the everyday person to use. Um, we were just talking about content. AI and automation, you know, and I think that 
premise, you know, is kind of so well introduced to me through the four hour work week of what am I really good at? I'm really good at answering these questions. What am I not good at? I'm not good at coming up with the questions. Right. I'm not good at making the documents. Great. AI automation, I'm focused on on what I want to do. The second book absolutely has to be Cash Pertizing by Dr. Drew Eric Whitman. I think anyone in marketing, that, that should be required reading. I have the absolute, I, after years of saying, if I could teach a course on copywriting, that would be the textbook. I was tapped to teach like a three-hour court, crash course on copywriting. And between that and Influence by Robert Cialdini, those two go so well hand in hand. And I think anyone who reads them in those two in any order are going to have such an eye-opening um, vision into what makes the average person tick and how do we use marketing to influence their decisions. Now, do you have a favorite success story of one of your clients that you'd be able to share? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I hate playing favorites with my clients and there's a lot of clients I can't talk about, um, even if I could. So I'm going to talk about something we're doing really recently that is super fresh, top of mind, and plugs into everything that we just talked about. We're working with a, so much of what we do is in the medical space. Um, whether that's for your household name pharmaceutical companies, your household name over-the-counter companies, um, your consumer packed goods, everything from the highest pharma down to a box of tissues. We have consulted for those companies in the influencer space. And I think what's been so exciting in the past, again, trailing three months or so, are we started working with local medical practices for, let's say, you know, cosmetic, non-necessary non surgeries. Most recently, we've been working with a LASIK practice out of California, and it's been super exciting working with them. They've tasked us to go out, find influencers to come in, experience the power of LASIK, see what it does for their vision, see how that changes their career. These are fitness influencers in this instance. Um, they get to tell that story. We have the coolest job on earth because we get to go out, find people and say, hey, would you like to do LASIK? Would you like to have 2020 vision? You know, let, let's answer all your questions there. And I think we're also seeing this is just the peak of our expertise because they're doing exactly what I've, I've had the privilege of talking about the past few minutes of we're going out, we're finding them, it's influencer marketing, it's reaching their audience, it's bringing people into the practice through these influencers' audiences, and then the practice is going ahead and using that as their creative for their meta ads, which we are extremely confident are going to outperform everything that they put put out to date, which are all beautifully produced, studio-quality creative about the practice, mm -hmm. but seeing this kind of user-generated content approach you know, especially with people with these short attention spans, myself included, on TikTok and Instagram, swipe, 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 swipe. Once you see that studio produced ad, boom, you're gone. And we're hoping that implementing this user-generated content of this guy reaching this audience, talking about his personal experience, will get us more time on the ad, better ad recall, and better outcomes um, all around for the client. Now, Blue Polo Interactive, it's got, you got a diverse range of services. You offer a lot of stuff. But if you were going to pinpoint your core expertise and what sets you apart, and I think you might have just did that, but just to be clarify, <clears throat> what service aspect or, or area of digital marketing do you think that would be? I think it's twofold. You know, everyone and their mom wants to say that they're in the influencer space in 2023. 
we did our first influencer marketing campaign before that had any definition back in 2013. That was from Macy's and we scaled that out from, from there. Um, so I think that is somewhere where we have over a decade of experience. And again, I think that's opened our eyes to really creative ways to do things, really practical ways to measure things. And again, just bringing that third-party expertise that you should be paying for when you're tapping an agency that isn't just, you could do this in-house, we're going to take it off your plate. You could do it in-house, we could take it off your plate, and we're bringing a decade of experience to that. Um, on top of that, we've been producing content since 2009, and obviously we've seen the evolution of what content creation has looked like since 2009. So similarly, um, when we work with a brand, we get very excited as you've seen my enthusiasm for, hey, there's AI, there's automation, there's content creation. You know, we're going to need to tap you. You can tap our team. Um, but between content creation and our decade of experience in influencer marketing, which I think is content creation just by a different name, I'd say those are the two things that we're most passionate about. And when you roll all of that up with our ability to deliver on social ads, Google ads, SEO, it goes back to what I was saying, us having all of these resources under one roof really empower us to deliver the, the most success for these brands. And how does your fee structure work? It really depends on the type of engagement. We're dealing with a lot of brands right now who are just coming to us and just want, you know, uh, I just got a $50,000 budget from a household name brand and they said, here's how this is going to work. We're going to give you 50 grand. You're going to spend 40. You get to manage, you get 10 on behalf of the management. When we're dealing with really large budgets like that on the influencer side, you know, it, it's going to be very similar along those lines of um, we're managing the budget and we take a percentage. Similarly, if we're just doing, you know, ad buying on meta platforms and Google, it's going to look similar of a percentage smaller engagements for let's say just influencer what we'll do is we'll look at what your audience is we'll go out and look at what the cost of executing that media is we'll bundle all of that into a nice clean cpm for you to digest you know we'll say okay you want 50 lifestyle influencers great we can execute all of that against a guaranteed you know view delivery count um on a 50 70 80 dollar cpm uh, for that influencer media. And what, um, what kind of what kind of budget does somebody need to work with you guys? I would say our, our low-end engagements, for a really low-end engagement, we can help do influencer discovery. We just did a slew of these for 2,500 bucks. Uh, you give us who you're looking for, we can go out, find them, pass them off to you. Um, on the high end, you know, we get quarter of a million dollar budgets where the brand says, Here's the budget. You take your commission, spend the rest, measure it, analyze it, feed us back the results. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you? Come right over to bluepolointeractive.com. Reach out to us, you know, whether through our forums or email contacts or social contacts. But I'd say starting there is going to help you understand us and understand if we're a fit. And if we are, we'd love for you to reach out and, and explore that conversation deeper. Well, this has been great. I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you today. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go ahead and wrap it up? I I think hopefully that my passion for, uh, again, the future of tying that influencer marketing content to 
the um, actual ad platform and, and native content has come through. And I really hope to see more brands doing that in the next 12 to 18 months. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us today, Michael. Thank you so much, Andy. It was a pleasure. And I really appreciate you having me on. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information on Blue Polo Interactive or connecting with Michael, you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makingchicklycount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any of the services I have discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 